0: Welcome to Women's Hot Topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ,
1: all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries. And she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Should Burry. What happened if you say what you want to say?
0: And let the words fall out.
1: Hi, If you're on YouTube with us, you will see that I look super happy. And I've got the background of Naples behind me. We've got palm trees flowing. It's a beautiful day out. And you know why I'm down here? Because I'm an empty nester. And that is our topic today. That's what we're talking about. Finding joy in the empty nest. And I have got one of my favorite book writers, Jim Burns with us today to talk about it. He's gonna tell us how to discover purpose and passion in the next phase of life and so welcome Jim to our show
0: It's great to be with you and I am you know for your YouTube uh, people who are watching this I'm a little jealous of your background it has that palm tree kind of flowing in the background
1: it so. is and those are you moms that are you're probably jogging or doing dishes or you know you know, <laughs> multitasking you're working you're running a corporation at the same time I want you to know that empty nestering, takes time and talent to get it right. And so Jim is going to share with you on this. Now, before I have Jim share about his wonderful book, I want to also share with you a little bit about Jim. So Jim Burns is the president of Home Word, W-O-R-D. He speaks to thousands of people around the world each year, and he has more than, get this, 2 million resources in print in 20 different languages he primarily writes and speaks on the value of home word which is strong marriages confident parents empowered kids and healthy leaders some of his most popular books one that is my all-time favorite and you guys got to pick it up it's called doing life with your adult children and here's the subtitle keep your mouth shut in the welcome Matt out. I just love that. Another book is The Purity Code, Creating an Intimate Marriage, and Have Serious Fun. I love that. Have serious fun. Not just fun, friends. You got to have serious fun. And Finding Joy in the Emptiness, which we're going to talk about today. Jim and his wife, Kathy. Someday I'm getting Kathy on the show, Jim. Uh, Live in Southern California, have three grown daughters and three sons-in-law, and you're blessed with four grandchildren. Oh my gosh, you come from a wealth of experience in your background Jim. Thanks again for
0: coming on. Hey, it is a, absolutely a pleasure and when I saw you'd invited I was looking so forward to us spending some time talking about this important subject too.
1: It is. And you know, I pay him. I bribe him to, to come on the show. So thank you very much Jim. I appreciate it. <laughs> Not
0: that. at all. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm an easy. I'm easy. You I don't pay it. and I'm on because I want to be on. I love what you're doing.
1: I love, I love what you, I love, we like what each other is doing. I love it. So I'm an empty nesters and my kids are in the upper 30s. I know it's hard to believe, friends, upper 30s. Uh, we went through bumps and adjustments. My husband Blair and I, we've been together 40 years and this was part of an experience we did not quite know how to deal with. Jim. Why didn't you write this book earlier so I could
0: have read it? Um, <laughs> well, you, hey, I'll tell you why is because I didn't know it was going to be as difficult uh, in the empty nest, and so <laughs> and Kathy and I weren't prepared for that empty nest. But uh, yeah, we, I should have written it or I should have at least studied it a little bit earlier. Yeah, so even the younger bit- moms. Some yeah. younger dads they need to be listening to our conversation today
1: now you want to tune in friends you might be going yeah i'm a long way from that oh yeah no you're not blink of an eye it's gonna happen and maybe you have some friends that might be entering soon the empty nester uh lifestyle so really listen in because it doesn't matter if you're single if you're married if you're blended family an empty nest brings both joy and agony of some defeat. Uh, There's a little learning curve there, friends. As a woman, you have to cope with the loss of your identity and find your new identity. Make midlife course corrections. Uh, You are no longer racing to baseball games, to hockey games, to gymnastics, whatever it is. You're not racing to the sports. You're not carpooling, picking everybody up. In fact, Jim, as soon as I stopped carpooling, I got a Corvette because it (laughs) only had two seats in it. That was it. I'm like, I'm done carpooling. Uh, You're no longer being a room mom. Uh, You're no longer doing fundraisers, volunteering, first day and last day of school. You know, I love the fact, Jim, I don't know when the first day or the last day of school is anymore. That is great. First prom dates, uh, which is always nerve wracking as well. And if you're married, (laughs) now you get to look at your husband in a whole new way. It's you and him together. And how are you going to navigate those waters? And Jim has addressed all of those things in his wonderful book that he wrote called Finding Joy in the Empty Nest, Discover Purpose and Passion in the Next Phase of Life. And Jim, before we get started, where can they find your book?
0: Easily. They can get it on Amazon. They can go to homeword.com. That's H-O-M-E-W-O-R-D.com, which is our ministry's website. And it has a lot of great stuff. It has books, but it also has resources, lots of free blogs, you know, podcast, all kinds of good stuff.
1: Well, good. And you guys, you saw how many, you heard how many resources he's got. You know, if you run out of resources, you got a problem because if you just go to that one-stop shop, you're going to find everything that you need. So Jim, here's a question. Why did you feel the need to even write this book?
0: Well, actually the need came out of spending time with people. Homeward is the largest provider of parenting seminars in the U.S. And both in parenting and marriage conferences that we were doing, people kept coming up and going, we're struggling with this empty nest thing. And I was listening, but I wasn't listening close enough because my wife and I weren't in that empty nest when we first started hearing about this. But more and more, I kept finding people who were literally experiencing what I call the empty nest syndrome, not my phrase, I get it from other people talking about it, who really experienced some anxiety or a lostness. They put two decades of their life parenting their kids and all of a sudden now the kids are gone and they're not needed. And they were going through an identity crisis of their own. So I ended up saying, "I need to be able to not only live this, and Kathy and I need to figure it out." And we kept having kids boomerang back. So we boomeranged eight times with our three daughters. They, now explain you know, they, what
1: that is for our listeners. Boomerang that they, meant, they
0: went away to college and then they came back. They, you know, had a roommate for two years and then. They said, "Can can I live with you guys for two months?" And it ended up being two and a half years. So, you know, we kind of went back and forth. So we'd, we'd become an empty nest, and then we would go back to having a kid in the house. Um, but you know what? It was uh, it it was a major transition for us, and uh, and we both experienced the empty nest syndrome. I remember dropping our daughter Heidi off to college? She's our youngest, and as we were, it was all busy. We'd been to Target twenty times, and yeah. you know all these places, and. We get in the car to leave, hugs and laughter, and cat and really Heidi kind of pushing us like, "Okay, it's time go." And uh, I look over at Kathy after us, not even talking for about twenty minutes, and there's a tear rolling down her cheek. And I said, "Are you okay?" And she says, "Yeah, no, I'm I'm fine. I just it's going to be different, you know." And I said, "Do you do you want lunch?" And we're going down the coast of California. It's beautiful. And uh, you want lunch in Santa Barbara? No, I think I just want to get home. And then we got home and it was so quiet. So her empty nest was, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? My empty nest, you know what I did? I just started working more. I went to the office an hour early and I went an hour later because my kids weren't there, right? And so I was feeling it, but I didn't know it. Uh, it, And But I could sure see Kathy was feeling that. So we had to kind of have a wake-up call to say, you know what? We're not doing so good with this empty nest stuff. And yeah, we, we don't know when the kids go back to school in high school now, but we sure miss that. And so we had to reinvent our life and realize our kids are having these new experiences. They're calling us it up going, this is great. Here's what we're doing. And we need to come and get some new experiences, our, our own self. So we had to follow our, our kids lead and uh, find those new, new experiences.
1: You know, you're so right in those new experiences because in scripture, and you wrote this in your book. Isaiah 43, 19, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And that's from God. And so he knows every phase, I call it seasons, every season of your life that you're getting into. And you know what I noticed with myself, Jim, is that God was already transitioning me when they were, you know, junior high, high school, as I got older and older. And I just see all of the, uh, experiences I had received during those times to springboard yeah. me into yeah. the ministry. Yeah. And God see, and that's really,
0: yeah. that And that was, that's great because you were aware of that. You were looking at that. You were aware that God was doing a new work in your life. Sometimes people miss that. And, uh, so you got a pair you got people going on parallel lines some people say as you said to me before we started talking i love the empty nest i have other people <laughs> saying this is the worst thing that's ever happened and and it's crazy cuz when i before i wrote the book i started doing all these uh, you know focus groups and in every focus group people cried and in every focus yeah. group there was there was another couple that kind of made some of the others mad going this is the greatest thing we have more romance we have more time we're you know we're at the gym we're loving life and you know some of the people are saying wait this is the worst season of our life so it's a really mixed bag that you that I saw even before I started writing this book
1: now what do you see that makes a successful couple in being an empty and yeah. especially for those who might be prepping for it. Maybe they still yeah. got a couple of years yeah. down the road.
0: Yeah, right. Well, and and first of all, let me just say that uh, there's a chapter in there on single in the empty nest, because uh, mm-hmm. again, a lot of times when we think of the empty nest, we think of couples, but there's a lot of people who are single in the empty nest and that's a whole different ballgame. Maybe we can talk about that in a moment, but but with couples, what I found was that couples were so busy with their kids that they had buried some of their stuff underneath the mat. And uh, so all of a sudden now it's just them sitting at the table going, "Wow, we've got some stuff we've got to work on." So I think the couples who did really well were the couples who, you know, made sure that they got rid of some of the junk from their from their marriage that maybe they had just let sit under the mat. Um, and and you know I know couples who said we never dated when our kids were younger, when our kids were uh, in high school and they had to start dating. I, mean, you know, I oftentimes ask people, are you willing to give in the empty nest? Are you willing to give your spouse 1% of your time? Well, who's not going to say that, you know, they all raise their hand, but 1% is 90 minutes. And I'm saying, would you do at least a weekly date night? And they say, well, we're together all the time. You are, but it's a different thing. Last night when Kathy and I were making uh, tacos and then cleaning up, that's good. But we also need to go out and date and court and still focus on that. The people who did that do a lot better than the people who, um, just filled their life with, uh, without each other. Um, cause you, now there's more time. So you're going to fill your, your time. So do you fill it with each other? Maybe you take, a photography class together, or you start, you know, for Kathy and I, one weird thing is we started walking together. Um, we have a dog and usually we were efficient. So we would, I would go, um, let, I would let Kathy walk the dog while I did the dishes or she would walk the dog, you know, v- vice versa. And, um, we started walking the dog together and all of a sudden we went, guy, we'd love this. You know, we'd walk around the neighborhood. We maybe even stop and get some coffee. And, and, and that changed. <laughs> we learned that in the empty nest. We could have done that, our kids in high school definitely would have allowed us to do that. We just didn't do it. So we had yeah. to we had to make things happen.
1: You know, I read that in your book. And what did yeah. I do last night with my husband? We went for a walk. We said, yeah. come on, honey, it's beautiful. Let's take the dog for a walk. Yeah. And, no, you can go. No, really, I, I, read, I just read Jim's book. And here it is, friends, right here.
0: <laughs> That's
1: fun. <laughs> Finding joy in the emptiness. And so we went for a walk. It was great. I mean, I loved it. And, you know, it's it's a simple thing. So it doesn't have to cost money. It doesn't have to be a chunk of hours and hours of time, but it really um, is significant when you put that emphasis into each other Uh, tiny little thing, but a great suggestion. You talk in your book about reboot and reconnect,
0: Yeah.
1: try new things. Yeah. Um, What would you like to say and expand on it?
0: yeah well, you know, it, it's just like you know it, and I tell a story in the in the book, which is kind of funny because I am not the i t person and in my office, they know that. Kathy thinks I'm her i t person. Well, what I do is I just say, well, turn off your phone and turn it back on, and then it magically appears okay for maybe fifty percent of the time. And I love this that you know, I get credit that she thinks I'm a lot better off than I am. well in in a marriage or in life, whatever you're looking at, when you're in the empty nest, you get a chance to reboot. But if you if if you're just living by circumstance and chance, you're not going to. One of the phrases that I like a lot in that book was, um, you know, a successful life never happens by just circumstance and chance. It it happens on purpose, right? And so I think you get a chance to look at it and say, hey, what's working in our life, in our marriage, um, and what's not. So the couples that I think did well are the couples who said, hey, we we need to be in a couple's Bible study at church or we need to volunteer and start a ministry. I know a couple that once they got in the empty nest, he was a executive for uh, uh, Southern California Edison, which is a big electric company. And you know they started doing ministry and he actually retired early so they could do their ministry mm-hmm. together. And he said, what's amazing is I didn't realize how neat it would be to, to be together as a couple doing that. And they're both in the same bent. That doesn't happen with every couple, but for them, that was a good thing. Uh, I realized for me that I needed to go to the gym, and I had <laughs> neglected some of that stuff. And so, one of the first things that happened as an empty nester was I joined a gym, and you know, kind of got in shape. You know, got some um, time. So yeah.
1: it's just it's just
0: things. I an, another I know a woman who went back and got her master's in 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 counseling, and now she's a counselor. She's a great counselor. I send people to her all the time, but she didn't have that background growing up. She was a state actually. She was a stay at home mom. But so people have different things to do, and you know, I, I tell a story in the book about if some people who are going to reboot. So what they did was they took a ten day kind of do nothing vacation, and yet they had yellow notebooks, not even you know an iPad, and they kind of wrote down some goals for where they wanted to go in the next year or in the next couple of years, and they're kind of fulfilling some of those dreams. They even talked about finances and how they would handle their finances and um, and how they would reboot their life with their adult children. And so, you know, it's not like you're not with your kids. You're still they still call you mom and dad, and they still want time and you want time. So you even have to think through that. But but again, the people who do that well are the people who are focused. They they are people who actually have a plan in place. And the Bible's very clear when it comes to the book of Proverbs. I just read some this morning on something I was going to do for a video, you know, talking about, you know, God helps you with those plans, but you got to, you got to write down some of those plans too and and hope that they're from him and expect that they're from him. And if they are, then he's going to help you fulfill that purpose.
1: You know, it's funny when you talk about your relationship with your adult children. Now it looks different than it did when yeah. they lived at home. And right. please do get his book, um, the earlier one that I had mentioned, because it was phenomenal on, on, Uh, what was it called again? Raising your adult children. Doing
0: life with your adult children. In fact, I I first started calling that parenting your adult children. Then I realized you don't really parent your adult children. You do life with them. That's the point. I think that was the
1: edit I had. I had parenting with your adult children. But it really, you know, you're always their parent. Um, In your book here, you talk about uh, wayward children. And, you know, when when kids have left the house, now all of a sudden they get crazy and they're partying and they're in college or wherever they are, anything like that. Um, share with us a little bit about what is the best technique and the best yeah. way to work around wayward right. kids.
0: Right, right. Well, first of all, I don't think you shun them because a lot of us are in shock. Uh, those of us who were raised in the church or raised our kids in the church, we expect our kids to be, you know, leaders in the church forever. And sometimes in those early adult years, we call them the emerging adulthood. Uh, you know, they're violating values or they're straying from faith. And I don't think the answer is to be preachy and luxury. Um That I. When they violate values, I mean, I think they need to know what you believe, they need to know what you feel, but then make sure that the relationship is beyond that. So what I say to parents all the time is, you can't be a one-topic parent. The other thing I think that's really important with adult kids who are violating values is, you gotta give them tough love. Tough love doesn't mean that you are always angry at them. Tough love says, allow them to experience the consequences of their poor decisions. And uh, you know, when they were little, they learn by experience. So, you know, experience is better teacher than advice. So you say, honey, don't put your hand on the hot burner. They're all going to do it. I mean, I did it. And so they're going to put their hand on the hot burner in the adult years. Sometimes it's better for them to put their hand on the hot burner as much as we are so worried about them and they're going to learn from it. So for us, we just can't be focused on that. If we're one topic parent, that's all they're going to hear. So you know, in that we can't just be the advice givers. Uh, we have to change that relationship from a parent-child to a adult-adult. You're still the parent, but an adult to adult. And I think that's really hard for the for the adult child, and really hard for the uh, parent because again, we've never been the parent of an adult child. They've never been an adult, and so you're kind of learning it as you go. But but the violating values. The other thing I would say, and I think this is so key, is that even when they're violating values they still have one question for you do you still love me mm-hmm. you know and so i think it's really important for us to to show them love without agreeing with their lifestyle choice or their you know whatever they're into or the fact that they used to go to church a lot and now they're not going to church uh, you got to look at life as a marathon and it's not a sprint and so if they're if they've you know kind of gone one way and you're not happy about that um, but you got to be the safest person. The safest person still shows shows them love. Doesn't agree with them, but still shows them love.
1: You know, all great words of wisdom. And um in your book as well, you had talked about boundaries. If yeah. the child is going to be wayward and they're living outside of your sure. values, um, and they're crossing the line, such as living with a boyfriend and you happen to yeah. be paying for that dorm room or that rent yeah. or whatever, right, right. uh, that you need to set that tough love up and said, yeah. well, you know, this is the parameters. And if he's going right. to live with, you know, we're not paying right. for your right. rent. You can take care of yourself. Right. So right. there's some of those you really need to ask God for wisdom on. Um, yes. and that's what I think the important thing is we need to pray. I got to tell you, I never prayed so much as when my kids <laughs> left the house and oh. went to college and, you know, thank you, Jesus. I have a God fearing husband. As we'd get on our knees, we'd pray for our kids together. There's going to be bumps, friends, up and down and all around. But I want you to know the Lord's with you through the whole entire thing.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And and, you know, it's interesting you said that because I honestly think Kathy and I probably prayed more for our kids as they became adults than when they were younger. We prayed for them when they were younger, but we didn't feel the intensity. Um, And sometimes adult decisions are, are scarier than what a child makes because now they're playing with Choices that could change their life for a long, long time.
1: Like they could end up in jail.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, exactly. So real poor choices. And when that Mm -hmm. happens, so yeah, we do, we do pray for them, but I think it's really important that as a couple, we try to get on the same page with that Mm -hmm. because just because your kids leave the house and you're an empty nester now, that doesn't mean that some of those major disagreements that you're going to have with your spouse or, uh, you know, looking at parenting a different way uh that still happens and so I, I would say that in the empty nest for kathy and myself still our biggest disagreements now we've been married 49 years so you know i don't think uh you know we're gonna we've made it okay and we're continuing going good place but we still will we'll have you know our discussions that are negative toward each other even sometimes will be are you sure that was a wise idea to say that to heidi you know those kinds of things it's still there So, you know, we're still having to work through those adult children, you know, discussions.
1: You know, I laugh because my husband and I used to joke that we'd have the perfect marriage if we didn't have kids. I mean, you know, (laughs) because it really is a reflection of the mirror of of your parenting styles and everything's a little different, but you do have to come together and prayer is powerful in that. And, you know, in your book as well, I loved that you talked about um, SIA acronym, and yeah. where you're throwing things out that right. you don't need in your life. Right. Tell right. us a little bit about that.
0: Well, clutter. You know, what I'm saying, is SIA, Stan, there's, it's an acronym, but it basically says you're going to have to declutter your life. And I'm not just talking about your garage or your closet. Now, my garage and my closet, my own closet, not Kathy's probably, needs some decluttering. But I'm talking about decluttering your life. And so I think you have this opportunity to kind of reinvent your life. So SIA means, well, I was on two boards but those are boards that were really a part of what my kids stuff was maybe i should go on off of those boards and i can always add something but there's seasons in life for everything in fact the bible is very clear in the book of ecclesiastes there's a time for everything sometimes i think in the empty nest it's a time to say see ya and so that means what i was doing i don't have to do as much anymore Mm -hmm. Um, And I can add things, you know, I've been involved uh, for all of my empty nest years in a small group with men and uh, we're all empty nesters now. And I meet every Tuesday with these men and I'm a better husband and a better father because I'm with these men. Well, that was harder to do when you're really, really busy with kids. Um, So again, the, the C apart says, what do you need to still, what do you need to declutter in your, in Mm -hmm. your life? Mm -hmm. And, and then add, what do you need to add? I, I, when I I, you know, life was busy. And uh, in fact, it was uh, John Mark Comer who said, uh, uh, hurry is violence to your soul. And a lot of us live with hurry and busyness. And so when we started having more time, I was gonna fill it. And I'm the kind of guys tend to fill it with their job, their work, you know, whatever. Uh, And what I realized was I needed to do some soul work, that this was the time for me to understand that my soul is connected and integrated to every aspect of my life. And so for me, it was a time to spend more time with God in the morning. I didn't have to go in, I could spend time with God. And before that, I was trying to help the kids get ready for school or whatever it was. And in doing the, the decl- I, if I didn't declutter some of that, I wouldn't be able to fill my life with, with good and better things. I mentioned the gym. So I was always saying, well, I'm too busy to stay in shape. That was dumb. I'm just saying it was. I now look at that in the, de- I decluttered some things so that I could put some time into the gym. Now I'm know totally addicted to being at the gym but that was not the case
1: isn't it amazing how quickly you fill the gap of what you're doing with your kids like my kids are like mom what state are you in now because you know we're traveling (laughs) full time and you know we're just having so much fun yeah but um what i want to talk about which is really an issue with a lot of women yeah is they're like i don't love my husband anymore you know we were roommates raising children now we're alone now we're empty nesters i'm looking at this guy and i gotta tell you You had some of the best chapters that I have ever read on marriage, on rekindling your marriage, of rebooting it, so to speak. And you even on page 56 had something that said, the list of positive benefits of the empty nest, Mm -hmm. Um, which there are so many positive benefits, friends. Don't be looking at this negative, that chapter of my life is done, life is over. Oh, no, it that's next season, actually. Yeah, I right. don't tell my kids I said this, but it's a little more exciting than the first. <laughs> I love the second half of life and I, yeah. love, enter- I love empty that. nest. You know, um, you also gave four principles to help your marriage thrive. You, you, yeah. you shared with us the nitty gritty. Um, you also talk about communication for deeper discussion. Would you share with us? What does that look like? Communication well, for deeper discussion.
0: Well, the great thing about the empty nest is I, I like to say that communication is a learned trait. And actually a guy guy who is a mentor of mine, his name is Neil Clark Warren. He was actually the founder of eHarmony.com. But before that, he, you know, he's a wonderful Christian and he's a marriage expert. And so I had read his books on compatibility and whatnot. One day I was doing some consulting for him with eHarmony and I was sitting having lunch with him. And I said, um, I said, communication, you know, 86% of marriages that derail, you know, it's because of some form of communication, they say. And he said, Jim, communication is a learned trait. And I think we get so busy and preoccupied in those earlier years, the first half of our life, that we don't put as much time into learning how to communicate clearly. In the second half, you can So I like to say that that communicating with my wife now in the empty nest is a continual conversation that, you know, can be picked up the next day, the next hour, the next time. And so communication is a is is a learned trait. But I don't think I learned it very well in the first half. So in the second half, I think that's where we put some time and energy into that, into learning what does that mean to, you know, to, to communicate Uh, open-ended questions. Uh, Kathy and I were having kind of a, oh, I'd been invited to, to, uh, to speak in Guatemala uh, for this next June. And I go there pretty regularly. And so the open-ended conversation was, should we plan a vacation around that time? Well, now that's been a conversation that we've had. Almost daily for the last two weeks, say, well, we never took that time before, but in the empty nest, you can have that kind of time and uh, and even say, right now, I don't want to talk about Guatemala. i want to I want to move on to something else. um but I think I so I think communication is is we have to understand it as a learn trait, but you can you can relearn, you know, even when you're saying some people are like they're they're like, well, what do we have? We have the graying of divorce, so that means, of the demographic where divorce is happening, it's 50 and over. And that's because the, the kids left and now they're going, we have nothing. What I'm finding, and even research is showing this. My friend Shanti Felton is doing some research on this, finding that for people who lean into their marriage in the empty nest, they have better romance, better physical intimacy, more often physical intimacy. That's awesome. But also they just look at their marriage in a better place because games are won in the second half. And- People who don't put time and energy into it, don't keep communicating, don't express their needs and their wants and their joys and their hurts. Those are the people they're miserable. So you've got, again, as I was talking about the parallel, you got people who are miserable and you got people who aren't. Well, follow the people who are doing well. And those are the people who are putting energy into the empty nest with their marriage, with their relationship. All you got to do is stir up the ambers. I mean, somebody said to me one time, um, uh, a, nothing but a, you're nothing but a pile of ashes if you don't really take care of the fire within you. And what I'm adding t- to that phrase is, if there's ashes, you can stir up those ashes. So, yeah, maybe your marriage isn't as good and hasn't been as good for a while. You can stir up those ashes. you can mm-hmm. refall in love. Um, what brought you to did the person change? Not probably that much. Whatever you were in love with them at the beginning, you can find that in the empty nest. and it's easier yeah. because you have more time and energy.
1: Well, I love that you gave us tools. I mean, friends, when you get this book and you really do need to pick it up, Finding Joy in the Empty Nest, discover purpose and passion in the next phase of life, and you flick all the way over to page number 71, you will see there's communication questions for deeper discussion. Guess what I'm gonna be doing tonight, Jim, with my (laughs) husband as we sit outside. I'm I'm gonna be asking some of these questions. Um, And I love that you have us really thinking deep. And, you know, I'm going to state the obvious, girlfriends. You know, women are wired sexually different than men are. And with a man, uh, things can be, you know, super fast. And with a woman, he's got to be talking to her head. We need to communicate. I need to feel close uh, before I have a physical closeness with my husband. And I think that your book has really taken us step-by-step very easily through the steps of what we need to do. And I'm going to tell my husband this tonight. I didn't do it last night. Tonight, I'm going to say, uh, Jim Byrne says that we need to initiate. (laughs) So I think it's important that women, and I know this is a personal conversation, but women, we just get, just don't sit there. I mean, sometimes you, even if you don't want to do it, sometimes you just got to take that initiative, step forward, um, and start that romance because with right. men they're wired differently and right. they feel closer and more intimate you with you after physical romance where right. for us it's our communication in our mind that's first and physical comes second. God has a sense of humor, Jim
0: yeah, and he really does when it comes definitely to our a libido and all those kinds of things. but you know it's funny because you you mentioned it uh, the initiation and sometimes people think the initiation is something that's uh, you know, bad makes you look bad or whatever it is. I say to women all the time, if you're going to initiate, if you say to your husband in the morning, um, you know what? You got a chance tonight. I don't know, but you know, maybe maybe we should have some romance tonight. So why don't we um, you know, after dinner go out to dinner or whatever, but you know, whatever it is. What is he going to be thinking about the entire day? He's going to be thinking about that. You initiated and it wasn't like you had to do a, you know, a big strip tease in front of him. You do that, and you know you've lost your husband to to, party on. yeah, yeah, (laughs) or or party on, whichever you want to say. Yeah, but but I say to men the same thing, and sometimes women need to explain this. What you did so well just a moment ago is, I say, you know, men, you need to initiate by touch. You might need to touch the vacuum, touch the laundry, you know, touch the dishes, and what I'm meaning by that is a woman for her to have a good physical intimacy experience a lot of times her her world needs to be basically in order partly i mean it doesn't have to be perfect but you know in order and the man can do that a lot of times by by assisting with just some of the things like chores okay but um you know a man you're right a man is gonna i mean it's easier for a man for a woman she needs to a man needs to talk to his wife i mean uh, before physical intimacy, we need emotional intimacy mm-hmm. and a woman needs emotional intimacy before you can have physical intimacy, but it's not going to be great. Intimacy means connection. It's not going to be great until you feel emotionally connected. And so men sometimes need to stop and have those, have those talks that they're, maybe they don't need that talk like the woman does or well, the listening. You know,
1: Speaking of talking, you told us in your book, and of course I blushed when I read it, you told us in the book that. We as women and men need to talk about our sex life. Yeah. I am a Scandinavian from Minnesota. I have never done that in my life. How right. awkward. Right, I don't right. even know where that conversation will go. I think my husband would be completely shocked. Is it really that beneficial?
0: Well, I think it is. I, I mean, because again, a lot of people have some real reasons they built up resentments over all these years. And uh, I don't think you just talk about the negative, but I think it's, a, you know, that's intimate. Oh, it's so intimate to have a conversation about uh, your physical. Desires, or your physical wants, or your physical needs, or um, some of the things that frustrate you, or whatever. And so, to have that conversation that draws you closer together, even if there, at one time, there might even be a little bit of conflict, but don't make it a negative uh, conversation. Make it a positive conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I had a couple say to me not too long ago, I was doing a marriage conference, and the and the people said, "Gosh, we had a conversation." We had never had this conversation, but how often would you like to be intimate? And he had an opinion. She had an opinion. They were different, <laughs> but it was a good, co- they said, this drew us together. And mm-hmm. the woman went, I can do that. He's like, cool. And so they said that their relationship, this, i talked to him after the conference, you know, sometime, and they said, this really helped our relationship because we just simply had a conversation about, um the you know the the timing on this thing mm-hmm. because one libido was different than the other libido.
1: Yeah.
0: I I know our parents didn't talk to us about sex, so then we sometimes didn't talk to our kids about sex, but the truth of the matter is we're married and it's 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 and God created sex. And so we need a theology of healthy sexuality. God created sex. God sees it as very good in the context of marriage. I mean, even Jesus said a man will leave his father and mother be united to his wife and the two will become one mm-hmm. flesh he wasn't talking about you know bowling together he was talking about having a physical relationship one flesh so if it's good enough for god who's our creator then why do we not want to do this i mean we have to get past that yeah Um,
1: and you know the book covers in detail and that's why i want you to pick it up friends because it gives you suggestions and tips um not not about sex necessarily but about the whole empty nester part of your life yeah and yeah. I want you to understand, friends, that this is a transition. This is nothing that will happen overnight. This book is so helpful, especially because Jim has talked to dozens and dozens of focus groups. He yeah. has uh, talked to people what works, what doesn't work. But now, this is the part that really uh, speaks to my heart, and that's finishing well. Yeah. You talk about in your book, finishing well, use right. your gifts to make a difference right life transforming right. role of mentoring. and a yeah. friend of ours just passed away a couple of days ago, and you had mentioned in your book that no one's going to necessarily remember of the material things that you've achieved, I right. uh, worked right. hard for, but they're going to remember the impact that you made on other people's yeah. lives. And you talked right. about mentoring,
0: yeah,
1: and Jim mentoring to me is the world because we mentor women inside a prison for six months and outside yes. of prison for up to a year. And it changes generations to come. Have you been and found yourself in a mentoring role?
0: No, right. Well, I think we all need mentors. And Kathy and I were raised in dysfunctional families, both of us. Mine was an alcoholic family that I grew up in, and Kathy's was just kind of a little crazy. (laughs) So when we got married, we went, wait, we don't know how to do marriage. And both of us were committed to ministry. So we had to go out and find people who would mentor us. And we didn't do it by saying, will you mentor us? Because a lot of people don't feel like they're mentors. So we just started hanging out with older, wiser people who had good marriages, not perfect. And we might have five questions for them. So we'd go out to dinner and we'd say, Hey, we got five questions for you about marriage. And then we'd kind of imitate them. And over the years, yeah, we have to, we still have mentors. In fact, we're having dinner three weeks with uh, two weeks right after Thanksgiving with um, uh, our two of our greatest mentors who actually live in Utah, but they're coming to California. And so we've got questions for them already. And We've been married 49 years. They've been married longer. Um, so I, it never stops. But I think we also have to be mentoring people. And uh, we had I was just at the store. I went and uh, ran a favor for Kathy and we had to go get some stuff. We had family over at our house this weekend and we'd run out of some. And uh, this guy who I know so well, Derek, he is with another buddy. And he said, hey, this is Jim. This is the guy who's my, my marriage mentor. He and Kathy you know, have mentored us in marriage. And he's the guy I was talking about. And I thought to myself, I never defined myself as a marriage mentor to him. But now that I think about it, I did the premarital. We went through, I wrote a book called First Few Years of Marriage. We went through first few years of marriage with him and his wife. And we babysat for him periodically because their parents aren't around. Yeah, I guess we did mentor them. See what I'm saying? (laughs) So I'm a better person in marriage because of, of doing that with Derek. So I think we need both. As law and as well as the other part of mentoring, I think sometimes it's just peer support. So you know, mm-hmm. are there peers who are kind of going through it? We we're in a small group, couples group for seven years at our church, uh, a number of years ago now, and um, I we would hear a couple say, "Oh, we are going away to Palm Springs for the weekend," and we go, "You know, we should go away to Palm Springs for a weekend or whatever it was." So I just think we we need to be in constant with that. And yeah. like you say, I, I we had mentioned I mentioned to you before. I I also when I was in grad school, I was actually a counselor at a prison, and um, I don't think I really did much counseling. I think I did mentoring to these people, mm-hmm. and the people who did the best were people who I'd play ping pong and were having a conversation about their life when they get out. I'm playing ping pong with them, and it wasn't sit down knee to knee. It was much more talking about what are you going to do next? Do you have a plan? Do you have a purpose? You know, what whatever. So I think that happens. And so mentoring is key. In the empty nest, I believe that most of us are called to do some form of mentoring, whether it be volunteering at the church, uh, helping out at the YMCA, doing whatever we need to do to um, to flex our our mentoring muscles. Because if we don't, uh, I think we're wasting some, some great help in ministry to, to others.
1: Well, and if you are finding yourself at a loss and you're not sure where to mentor, come and find us at himforher.org. Uh, we've got so many resources and opportunities yeah. for you to mentor Yay. and to help women leaving prison. Um, yeah. Or we can also be praying for you and help you plug into different areas uh, right. in the nation. So we are here right. for you. We right. want you to mentor. We want you to use the gifts God gave you. But it really begins with prayer. And I don't want you to forget that, friends. Yeah. Um, give it to God release it to him, say, here's my life. I now am an empty nester. How do you want me to use the second chapter of my life? And watch how daily God is gonna open up new opportunities for you. Jim, our time is short. I'm so sad because there's so much to talk about. But listen, you can hear Jim's words right here in the book. It's so good. Finding joy in the empty nest, discover purpose and passion for the next phase of life. Jim, you're such a blessing to come on Thank you very much. And please thank your wife for all those years that you guys have had experience in becoming empty nesters that you could share them with us.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. And thank you for what you do. And even on the mentoring side, I hope that your listeners do sign up. And even if they don't feel qualified, just tiptoe into it and they're going to go, wait, this is one of the greatest blessings, not just for them. Yeah. Uh for, for people that they're mentoring, but for themselves too. They'll grow in it too.
1: Amen. And we train as well. So that's Yay. that's a wonderful thing. Thank you, Jim, so much. God bless you. Great to you. be
0: with you. Great to be with you.
1: Please come back on again. Great. My name is Shugbury. You know I love you. Over and out. Hey, friends, I hope you enjoyed the show. I can't believe you found us in the myriad of podcasts that are out there. Could you please do us a favor here at Women's Hot Topics with Sugbury? Could you please like, subscribe, write a review? Hopefully it's going to be a positive one. And we have got some great shows coming up. Why do you have to do this? Is because it lifts us up out of the myriad of podcasts to the top. And that's where God is. And that's where I want to be. This is Suge You know I love you. Over and out.